You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, today I want to talk about this generation. Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, who has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Selah. Now that word, Selah, uh, Bible scholars uh, believe that uh, it means pause or think about that. And uh, if you are born again, this portion of scripture that I just read belongs to you. It's referring to you. Because of the blood of Jesus, you have clean hands, a pure heart, and you're not a liar. That might have been a part of your past, but it's not now. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. The Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Amen? I'm going to move this thing over a little bit further because now I can see the whites of everybody's eyes. There we go. Okay. The Lord is a God of generations. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said again, he said, he's not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. That speaks of, of resurrection life. That speaks of eternal life. Abraham and Jacob and Isaac are still alive in the presence of the Lord right now. In saying this, Jesus verifies that God thinks generationally. A generation is not necessarily chronologically based, but deals with the transgenerational people alive at any given time. In fact, right now, I'm a part of your generation. Although a generation is 30 to 40 years, depending on who you, you listen to, God, when he talks about generations, he's talking about the people that are alive on the earth at any given time. We're living in the last days of the last days, the last of the last days. The final generation that will see the return of the Lord and the full manifestation of the man of sin and the powers of darkness. 
You look around you, you turn on your TV. You look at on your internet, wherever you look today, you can see the signs of what the Bible talks about the last day. This generation will also see the kingdom and the power and the authority of God manifesting in the earth. I believe with all my heart that there are people that are born now that will live to see Jesus setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem and reigning from Jerusalem over all the earth. The Bible describes this end-time generation of believers as the Jacob generation. The competent fulfillment, the, the complete fulfillment of the promise of Abraham was fulfilled with the birth of Jesus, the promised Messiah. Paul outlines the benefit of this fulfilled promise for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 9 to 29, we read, So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's you and I, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And all of the promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe. Every promise that God has made to us is sure to come true. We are counted in the generations of Abraham because of our relationship with Christ. But the Bible speaks of another group of people living parallel with the Jacob generation. It's a generation that do not seek God. Proverbs 30, verses 11 to 14, describes an ungodly, unbelieving world of which we all, to some degree, were a part of before we accepted Christ into our lives. Proverbs 30, Verses 11 to 4 reads like this. There is a generation who curses his father and does not bless his mother. There is a generation who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are his eyes, and their eyelids are raised up in arrogance. There is a generation whose teeth like swords and his jaw teeth like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth, the needy from among men. We are seeing these things happen today all around us. You don't have to go very far to hear the news reports of what is happening in Iraq and, and, and Syria and all of those places. And we got a word from our, our PAOC missions department just a while ago of, of, of little children who were the, the, the ISIS group. They went into, into the homes and killed the little children right before the parents' eyes because they would not denounce Jesus Christ. And the parents were left alive to mourn the butchering of their children. 
This generation tends to bring disgrace to the family name. Their attitude is that I'm a Christian. I'm a good neighbor. I don't cheat. I don't lie. I don't need Jesus or religion. I'm as good as anybody who goes to church. That describes us in many cases before we were born again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When we truly accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we become one of the generation that seeks God, that seeks him for guidance and direction, that prays and gives thanksgiving to God for what we are and who we are and what we have. But then there's a generation that seeks after God. David prophesied in a generation that would seek after God. In Psalm 24, verse 3 to 6 that I read this morning, that's born again, clean, washed people who do not willingly or habitually sin. doesn't mean that we never sin, but when we sin, we ask for forgiveness. We ask God to cleanse us from that sin. We all need to take short accounts with God. King Uzziah is such a person. 2 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 5. The Bible says he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest and a prophet. And, and Zechariah taught him in the ways of the Lord. The Bible says uh, Zechariah instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. I want you to listen to that. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. When you and I turn our back on God, if you and I figure that we have come to a point where we can do it on our own, we don't need God anymore, you're setting yourself up for a fall. We always need him. We always need to trust him. We, never need, we should never turn our face away from him. King Uzziah was king at 16 years of age. His father died and he became king. And he reigned in, in Israel, in Judah, for 52 years. What a reign. And the Bible says that he followed the Lord as his father had done. You see, here is a generation that is seeking God. His father was a godly man, and he followed in his father's footsteps. Zechariah's godly lifestyle influenced Uzziah and propelled him into one of Israel's greatest kings. We read in the scriptures, the prophet said, the day that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. He had a great influence upon his people. But after Zechariah the priest died, Uzziah 
became proud. He had conquered everyone there was to conquer in the area. He had amazed great wealth. And he became proud in his heart. And then when, when the priest died, Uzziah disobeyed God and assumed the office of a priest. He went into the temple and he offered sacrifice to the Lord, which wasn't his place. God had called him to be a king, not a priest. Don't try to be something that God didn't call you to be. So because of that, the Bible says that the Lord struck him with leprosy and he was a leper until the day of his death. And his son took leadership until he had died and then, he, then his son became king. Jotham, Uzziah's son, who reigned in his stead in Second Chronicles chapter 27, verse 2. These are are tremendous passages of Scripture. I, I encourage you. You know, some people say, well, I don't read the Old Testament because it's so many thous and thys and those and don'ts. But listen, there are some tremendous, tremendous stories there, in, uh, like records of what has happened and people who served God and the blessings that came from that, people who rejected God and the, and the curses that came from that. And you need to know that and you don't have to in, in, reinvent the wheel in your walk with God. You follow, the, you follow the positive things that men did and the things that people did in the name of the Lord and following the Lord and you, and you will uh, be a, a long way on your walk to, to uh, health and wealth and prosperity in every area of your life. The Bible says of, of Uzziah's son, Jotham, he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father, Uzziah, had done. However, he did not enter into the temple of the Lord. He didn't do what his father, he did everything his father had done positively, but he did not go into the temple of the Lord. That meant he did not do the wrong that his father had done in assuming the office of a priest, because God had called him to be a king. Jotham followed his father's example. He no doubt saw the agony of his father's leprosy. He learned from his father's mistakes and how to avoid them. Every right choice paves the way for those who come after you. I want my relatives to do great things in their life because of me, not in spite of me. If your life can be a stepping stone or a stumbling block, then it is very important that you set the right example for your children and those that come after you. Negative things can get passed down but God raised you up to put a stop to those things. Some things negative could have been in your family for years, but you can decide this is where the chain is broken. This is where this stops. It don't go any further. From now on, there's going to be godliness in my family, my children and my children's children. 
are going to follow God. I'm reaping the blessings of biblical seeds planted in my life by my parents and other godly people. My parents made sure that I was around godly people in my growing up years. And I saw all the things that were positive in a Christian life. They left me a godly heritage, and a godly heritage, heritage is better than having great wealth. When my father died, I didn't get a cent from what he had to leave. He didn't have anything to leave. But he left to me a strong Christian heritage. He left me with a faith that is unshakable. Believing in a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. When you leave your children a godly heritage, that's worth more than any material thing you could leave them. God's blessing on their life will cause them to go further than money could ever do. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. To enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, we need to be living in obedience to his word and moving under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Believers today have vastly underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit. As human beings, it is difficult to believe there's anything more beneficial than the presence, the physical presence of Jesus. But there is. Jesus said so himself. When the disciples expressed their sorrow and dismay that when he told them that he was going to leave them and go back to the Father, he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, a comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But Jesus says, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper or the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. To fully grasp the impact of this statement, you have to realize that Jesus was talking to a group of men who had followed him day and night for three years. They had seen his miracles and fed on his word. But he said, when I send the Holy Spirit, he will be in you and with you and will be much more better than my physical presence. Every one of us here right now has that awesome opportunity to experience the presence of God with us, standing with us, going with us wherever we go. 
and living within us. That powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Gideon considering himself a nobody. But moved upon by the Holy Spirit, he rallied 300 men to defeat a coalition of armies. You and I have this Holy Spirit in us. We don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to move upon us like Gideon did. The Holy Spirit is in you. You need to stir up the gifts that you have. You need to let your children and your family know that there is a power in you that is greater than any earthly force. A generation that is spirit-filled. This is the generation. It was prophesied by Joel in Joel chapter 2, 28 to 32. The prophecy was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, there came from a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Every born-again believer that's going to do anything for God needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a must. Jesus said to them, don't leave Jerusalem until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter explained that this is what Joel had prophesied. In Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, Peter says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, this is what Joel said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servant and on my handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Don't pass off your visions, young men, as just the your imagination. Old men and old women, don't pass off your dreams. That's too much pizza. Listen, folks. God's speaking to this generation. He's speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to us in our minds. When you're young and able to do great things for God, he's speaking to you so that your sharp mind can take in what God is saying and be a man of God and a woman of God in this generation. And older people, when you have those dreams... Look into God's word. Look for some godly counsel. Get someone with a gift of prophecy and have them interpret those dreams and let's see what God's going to do it. You say, oh, I'm afraid that someone would just give me some wrong advice. You've got a Bible. You've got the word of God. You can look in the word of God. See what they say. See what the Bible says about it. If it agrees with the Bible, go for it. Amen. Moses was 80 years old. And he led the children of Israel out of Egypt right to the brink of the promised land. If he hadn't have sinned, he would have went in over with them. You see, 
God wants to stir this generation up. We have the potential that no generation before us had. We've got the ability to turn our world upside down just like the early Christians did when they were just a handful of people. And the government and the, and, the, and the religious order of the day tried to snuff them out, but they couldn't because they were infilled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that you and I have. Let's look at a biblical example of what happens when spirit-filled people preach the full gospel message. They went everywhere, the Bible says, preaching the gospel. Jerusalem was alive with the message of Pentecost. Dead religion took a real beating. And the message of Pentecost is not speaking in tongues. Tongues is the initial evidence that you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every wise Christian will do as Paul teaches. In 1 Corinthians 14, 11 says, Well then, what shall I do? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. He said, I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words that I understand. Most of us here this morning, I think, we're singing in words that we understand. But there's a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move in your heart, in your life, and you begin to sing in the Spirit. We should not be afraid to open up and let God move in our midst. We will not prosper in our lives. We will not prosper in our churches until we allow the Holy Spirit to do what he was sent to do on this earth in our lives. The message of Pentecost is Christ crucified, resurrected, ascended, and coming again. It is sharing the word. You must be born again. There's no other way. Jesus is the only way. There are not more than one way to God. It's either Jesus or nothing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. That's the word of God. You will receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's the word of God. The promise is for you, your children, and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. That's the word of God. It's a message of love, and grace, and mercy, and hope, and prosperity, and health, and healing. It's the word of God. All over the world today, there's a great move of the Spirit. Those who seek God seek to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the Jacob generation. It's walking, living, and talking in the Spirit. What was true in Zechariah's day is true for now, today. Not by might nor by power, but 
by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And as I conclude with this, there's always been two generations. The Jacob generation, who seek after God, seek God's face, believe the word, receive the power of the Holy Spirit to serve him. There's another generation who is a form of godliness, religious, but denies the power. You and I must choose which generation we're going to be aligned with. There's an old song that's relevant for this generation. It goes like this, the power of God is just the same today. And it doesn't matter what the people say. Whatever God has promised, he's able to perform. For the power of God is just the same today. He hasn't changed. There's nothing changed. We change all the time. But God never changes. My father was serving God before I was born. And he passed it on to his children. He passed it on to me. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he's also the God of Alfred and Hayward and Dennis and Cindy and Graham and their spouses and their children and their children's children to come. Each member of my family must make their own decision. Each member of your family must make their own decision. My decision to follow Christ makes it easier for them to do the same. It paves the way for them. And it's the same for you. The decisions that you make today affects your children and your children's children. It's your decision to be one of Jacob's generation. You can start it, or maybe it's been started before you, generations past. Then it's your job to carry it on. Keep it going. Don't drop the ball. It's too much at stake. Your children and future generations are depending on you. You have the power to stop anything that's holding you back. There's no such word in the Christian walk as can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? If you're born again, the Holy Spirit is inside you, enabling you to be a winner, to be an overcomer, ensuring that you and yours will be of the Jacob generation. Ernie, if you can come back and sing that great song you ended up with there, Hosanna. I believe this with all my heart. I choose to align myself with people of like faith. What about you? What about you? This is the generation of those who seek him. This is the Jacob generation. Sila. Pause. Think about that. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. 
Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.